as we welcome in for another edition of Chalk Talk, Coach Chuck Reedy and Coach Ellis Johnson. Great to have them with us once again, Coach Reedy. Good evening, sir. Hope you had a great Christmas, and welcome back. How are you? Well, I did, Phil, and I uh, hope you did as well. Good to be back with you. You're back. You're down yes, there in my, my, part of, my part of the country. I was going to say, Fernandina Beach, the home of uh, Rick Stockstill. I, I thought maybe it was your home, but you're from St. Augustine. Yeah, 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 Jeff, and, and well, and even even more importantly now, the home of Terrence Flagler. And he was at practice today, Terrence Flagler was. I know that. Uh, Coach McCorby sent me a picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, did you, were you the recruiter in charge of gaining Terrence Flagler's signature back in the day? That is, that is correct. If I'm not mistaken, your running back room, after you signed him, that particular class was insane. Well, I signed, and I, I say I, we signed Terrence and we signed Kenny Flowers. We also mm-hmm. signed the same year Steve Griffin, who was the mm-hmm. player. We signed David Barnett, who was a player a year in South Carolina, and Stacy Driver out of Griffin. Now, why we signed five, I do not know. And trying to coach all five of them, along with uh, Cliff Austin and Chuck McSwain, was a little bit oh. challenging. How'd you keep them happy? There was no transfer portal. Of course, they could transfer, sit out a year, but I don't think, uh, didn't they all pretty much stayed with you? They all, well, like you said, there was no transfer portal. They did all stay. But did I keep them all happy? No, I'm sure that I didn't. <laughs> there wasn't any way to keep them happy. But anyway, it all worked out, you know, as it turned out. Uh, of course, Terrence was a first-round draft pick. Kenny was a second-round draft pick. And, um, you know, Stacy Driver had a great career. And, um, you know, Steve Griffin, you know, was a heck of a player. Just, you know, he just mm-hmm. got kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah, let's welcome in Coach Ellis Johnson, who never had great players to coach back in his day. Uh, welcome in, Coach. How are you? Well, my problem, I would sign them and I'd go coach somewhere else. I, was, I, I didn't understand. I wasn't the smartest Chuck was. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would hit the transfer portal. You were in the coach's portal. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, I got put in the portal three times, I think. I'd have to go back and check, maybe more than that. But it wasn't voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was your Christmas, sir? Everything go well? Everything was good. All three kids got in. I've got three kids in college. If anybody wants to donate to the NIL fund. But, uh, yeah, it was nice. Great. Well, let's talk about Clemson and Kentucky. Chuck, from uh, where you see it, uh, Clemson, the, their offense, um, getting ready to play this Kentucky team. Um, I think it's going to be two teams going to try and run the football a good bit, probably a low-scoring game, kind of lean on the defense. Clemson kind of play it like they did the Carolina game where get a lead, kick field goals if you have to, play field position, hope your punter can keep them backed up, make them drive long field. Um, What do you think? Anything there makes sense? No, I think you nailed it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) Next next question. I think they're going to do what they, you know, the last four games of the year. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to pretty much 
keep the ball out of Klubnik's hands, and I don't mean that, you know, but they're going not going to put the game in his hands. Let's put it that way. They're going to run the football and 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 play to their defense, um, you know, and and that's been worked for them, and you know, I think it'll work for them again Friday. Uh, defensively, Ellis, uh, Clemson loses, what, four starters off their defense? Do you see the potential of a drop-off there? Are their young guys uh, good enough and ready enough to step in and fill the holes? I, I think they'll make athletic plays, but I, I think it is a concern for the overall consistency and, you know, uh, playing consistent throughout the game. Uh, they're down to two scholarship corners. At practice, and uh, you know, any little thing happens, and one of those are out. You know, you've got kids working over there just in case they have to go in that don't even play the position. They did play at some point in time, but uh, I, I don't know. I watch all these bowl games. I'm watching North Carolina now. It just mm-hmm. they're different football teams. You know, they're not even the same teams without their quarterbacks and with some of their key players gone. Of course, we've watched this for four or five years, and it's just the way it is these days. Uh, you know, I think Clemson trying to run the football on that Kentucky defense will be a challenge. They can run it on about anybody, but I don't know if they can run it the way they did against South Carolina. Kentucky, that's that's where they're good. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I just don't I just don't know who all is playing. I'm not even sure that Devin Leary is playing starting quarterback for Kentucky. I can't keep up with all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've read where Florida State and Georgia, between the two of them, there's been 40 combinations of transfers and opt-outs for the for the Orange Bowl. I mean, and you hate it. Don't you hate it for the bowl game and Absolutely. for the, the fans? I mean, the, the teams that they're going to be there rooting for will only be their team in, in, in name only because the, a lot of the players that were key for them getting there will be sitting at home watching it on television. They're both two teams that have a legitimate gripe of not being in the 14 playoff. And, and they, mm-hmm. you know, I think they got the right four, but those two guys could have been in there easily. And as soon as they're not, you know, a third of their great playmakers are gone. And fans still expect to go in there and win a bowl game. And really the coaches, what they're trying to do is identify some young players and get a lot of good practice time and hope they can get some consistency out on the field. Uh, Chuck, this is a situation that's just grown and grown and grown from the first time we had opt-outs, which I think goes back to the days of Leonard Fournette and um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, McCaffrey. McCaffrey. I think, yep. yeah, I think those might have been like the first couple. And people just said, "Well, this is an individual thing. It's not going to really, you know, grow into anything." And, and of course, like everything in college football, it always mushrooms uh, over time, and more and more people now. Are allowed to do it, and there's there's no ramifications of, of, about doing that except what you leave behind. So there is, I mean, there truly is no answer for this situation. You can't no longer tell the players not to leave to transfer or not to leave to go to the NFL draft or just sit at home and and not want to play in a bowl game. No, I mean, it, like you said, it's mushroomed, and uh, you know, and and you know you. The coaches now, I mean, they basically accept it. And, you know, you, I saw where Joe Milton's not going to play. And, you know, you know, they said, oh, he's with us. You know, he's going to be on the sideline. You know, well, you know that, that's great, you know. <laughs> but, you know, they're, 
they're going to have an opportunity to you know, play their, their their young their freshman quarterback. So, but um, no, I mean, I think it, you know, it, it, the whole thing, the transfer portal, all of it. I mean, just you know, there there's just no commitment, no loyalty, you know, like there was, you know, maybe maybe eight ten years ago. I mean, it's all of that's gone. I mean, it's it's you know, it's all about you know, all about me and what's best for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's sad. It really is because um, the, the the game that Ellis and I have known forever and you as well, Phil, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. gone. I mean, those things are gone and, and they're not ever coming back. Do you think, Ellis, you're right, we're going through this transition and we don't know where this is going to land but it's going to land one day somewhere, somehow, in some shape or form, whether it's, you know, complete professionalism. It already is complete professionalism, I guess, but more refined professionalism with some actual guardrails and rules and timelines where, where things can be done. Do you think when all, everything is finally put in place and you've got this college professional football league that it's going to work and we're going to find a happy medium here where uh, people – I mean, look, people are still watching on television. They're watching the NFL. Like 30 million people watched the Raiders and the and and the Chiefs the other day. Uh, people are still watching it, and, and that is the driving force behind everything, right, is, is television. As long as the TV numbers stay up and the TV dollars keep flowing, where's the problem? Is that what people are going to say? Well, at this point in time, I think it is. And as long as they get that TV money, it's fine. But I, this thing keeps going the way it's going. On the money side of it, it's going to be like when I was about five or six years old. It's going to be about 20 teams in America, and nobody can play with them. I mean, you, Clemson or Carolina went out and played Nebraska in the late 60s. Go ahead and chalk it up for a 50, 60-point bucket. I mean, it was just that much different. They were closer to the Citadel than they were to Nebraska and Oklahoma. And it's going to do that again because they had all the money back then for different reasons. But now that the NIL's opened up, can of worms, they're going to have all the money for other reasons. Uh, what my concern on it is, and I know TV fans don't give a rip, it's going to destroy the down levels of football from group of five to one double A and on down. It's just going to, it's going to eat it like a cancer. Now, what I think, if Baker gets his way, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to get it to where the schools can literally control the NIL money. When that happens, I think the next step, and this is just me, I know there's a lot of people smarter than me trying to fix this, but next step, they're going to make them employees. And then they're going to have some controls on them. And they're going to be able to cut some things or whatever else. But they're not like the NFL owners. They can't go to Congress as a business and ask for some antitrust laws and such. Congress doesn't have time for them. And it, I don't know, it's just a mess. I think a lot of real, real intelligent people screwed it up, and I think, you know, like they always do. If they think mm-hmm. Washington's going to solve it, check that. Yeah, I agree there. Chuck, you were at Clemson with Terry Kennard. Uh, what do you make of this, these posts, first the, the written post and today a video post with his son about he's claiming that Dabo Sweeney has singled out his son for harsh treatment at Clemson. And, of course, the son is transferring, but – What's your take on that? What What do you you know him probably as well as anybody from your coaching days? 
Well, I, you know, I know Terry very well. Terry's, you know, a wonderful person, obviously with a great player. Um, you know, <laughs> what I used to tell my coaches uh, at Baylor and at Goose Creek or wherever I was, uh, when you're dealing with parents, they're irrational. Don't don't try don't try to be rational with them because when 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 it's their children, they're gonna they're you know they're they're not you're you're not gonna be able to relate to them very I mean you know the parent it's a different animal <clears throat> and you know Harry you know I, I don't know anything about what happened and but you know when it's it's his child. You know, you know, and he's going to be, you know, totally, you know, he's going to be irrational about it. I mean, that's just the oh. way it is with with your children, and you know, you, you you know, that's that's the way it is. I and so I don't know. I like I said, I don't know anything about it. It was a, obviously it's been a you know very bad situation, um, but you know, it is. You know, I I don't know what what to say about it to be honest with you. Yeah. Ellis don't know what he's hoping to accomplish by all this because nothing's going to come of it from a Clemson standpoint. What are they going to do? They're not going to do anything to anybody about anything over this. So you just kind of wonder what he had in mind as an end game for this when they first posted on Facebook their complaints. Well, I think Chuck already summed it up. You know, I mean, he's a great player and a good band. I coached against him in high school. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were at a camp together, opposing teams. And he's a good young man when he's there. It's just like Chuck said, you get a different blindness. I've just now got kids in college. I coached for 30-something years before I had them in college. I go back and think of some of the things I said to kids now, and I wouldn't dare say it to them, simply because now I'm a parent. And I understand you just don't do that. And, and it's just part of it. But I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to talk about it on the air. My son was in the same group who got disciplined. And I know exactly what happened. And Dabo hasn't done a single thing unfair to anybody. Now, he may have some freckles, but if there's one thing Dabo Sweeney is not, it is unfair or abusive or tough on players. Good stuff. You want to continue or is that it? (laughs) I'll do it on the radio. You're on the radio. You just did it. (laughs) <laughs> I know that's what I said. I've said all I'm going to say on the radio. But I, I can just tell you, nobody uh-huh. got mistreated. Okay. Let's turn our attention finally to the final four, gentlemen, and what you see happening in the semifinals. Chuck, who you got playing for the championship? Did we lose, Coach? He okay. is Ellis? The Caribbean again. <laughs> <laughs> Ellis, who you got playing for the uh, championship? I thought you were going to ask this. I thought, let me figure this thing out. I feel I swear, but all these players in and out, that was probably yeah. battle games that are not in the playoffs. But these are playoffs. And it's kind of like the World Series when they have these playoffs in two out of threes, which is not enough for baseball. You don't know. Somebody's going to be hot and somebody's not. My gut feeling is Michigan is going to beat Alabama, Texas is going to beat Washington, and Texas is going to beat Michigan. I'm just guessing, though. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't 
never had an unsure feeling about this more than I do now. Yeah. These are all You're really right. good it's... teams. Really yeah. good teams. They all got dangerous quarterbacks or either consistent quarterbacks. They're really good on defense. Uh, I pulled out all the stats on them today because I thought I'd get asked. I'm thinking, I can't find anything that sort of says this team's going to separate itself. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, <clears throat> you know, you could spitball for any of the four um, and, and come away with a good pick. Um, have we got Chuck back with us? Coach, are you with us? Coach Reedy? Is he back with us? Oh, okay. We may have to go because we've got to go to the break. So I'll have to get him to text me his picks there for the final four if we don't get him back here in the next uh, 30 seconds. Is he back with us or no? No? Okay. Uh, all right. Well, Ellis, uh, how much football? You said you've watched every every bowl game. Are you clued into every bowl game at this oh, point? Gosh, no. Gosh, no. I've oh. probably seen pieces of about five or six. And, uh, you yeah. know, still, it's great to be able to watch football, Phil. But, again, you just – sometimes these teams, there are two or three players starting that hadn't played maybe more than 50 plays this year. And it's just a whole different thing watching bowl season now with the way things yeah. have changed. Yeah. Well, and the other thing with me, too. Sitcoms. It's still better than watching sitcoms or WNBA, so I'm glad they're on. <laughs> you, could, you could have left that out. But here's one thing I was going to say, too. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. Um, the, the offenses are so similar amongst all the teams. I mean, they're all running pretty much all running RPOs and uh, – you know, quick slants and, and quick screen passes, and um, do you do you do you think the the offenses have gotten to the point where there's so so much copycatting out there that they're like you don't have <clears throat> you know one team you would run a triple option or one team would run, run a veer because the running game's been practically eliminated from the importance of, of college football and football in general. Do, you see what I'm saying? Do, do all the offenses sort of yeah. look alike to you? Sort of. I, I get your point. I mean, it's like you know, thirty five. Years ago, the wishbone was invented, and then the split back there, you know, there was some really innovative things that hit football, and it would take the defenses like four or five years to catch up with them. And it's, it's kind of like now, they've invented everything that can be invented. Uh, the teams that are successful are the ones that can run the football and have a quarterback who can really throw the ball when he has to on third down. And if you're missing either one of those things, Defenses have caught up. Uh, it, the one thing I will say that you hardly ever see anymore, unless you watch the service academy or something, you don't see three backs in the backfield. You don't see a lot of big personnel out there. So everybody's playing speed and, and you know, and length on defense. And you'll see some exciting plays on offense, but you're not seeing, you know, the back-breaking plays, the 50-yard touchdowns and all that as frequently because defenses have gone more to speed. And they're, they're getting out the quarterbacks, and they're not playing with the big old 380-pound nose tackles. They're putting guys out there that can get to the quarterback and perimeter players that can make open field plays. And, and it, you're right. I think it really has changed. And I think right now we're sort of stuck in a little period. But there'll be somebody, you know, that'll come up with something a little bit innovative, and, and it'll start to catch on, I guess. We always have. But uh, I think you're exactly right. Well, and you're the perfect person for me to make this final point <clears throat> or final request because you being a lifelong defensive coach, 
after watching so much football, especially the NFL, I hate zone coverage. I hate it. And I don't know why anybody runs zone coverage. I would rather take my chance with a with a six-man rush or at least a five-man rush or six-man rush and, and man up everybody across the board as long as I got enough people to cover everybody and take my chances versus continually watching these quarterbacks who you can't touch stand in the pocket for four seconds and throw to a wide-open receiver because, you know, some guy – playing a zone thinks the guy behind him is covering that area inevitably he doesn't and it leads to a wide open catch see my point i hate zone coverage can we do away yeah. with zone coverage well i mean if you do away with it totally you, you're falling right into the trap and if you watch some of the nfl teams a lot of them are playing more zone than you think they are now they match up zone they don't go they don't go drop on a spot on the field and wait for the ball to be thrown and break on it like we did back in high school but they're playing zone concept. And the more athletic the quarterbacks get, I think people are realizing you've either got to play zone or you better have a you know a spy, like a hole player we used to call it, where one of the safeties is dropping in the middle of the field and the other one's got the deep middle or whatever and they play man free around it. Somebody's got that eyes on the quarterback or mm-hmm. they break out for these 15, 18, 20-yard runs. So, hell, that's a safer play than throwing it down there that far. We played a lot of zone field when I was there. Now, I know. That's longer than we think it was. It's, it's a lot coach, longer you than we to, think it was. And, Coach, you have to realize Phil is not condemning zone defense in college football. He's upset about the Packers playing zone defense in the NFL. That's, <laughs> that's really the root of the Joe, problem. Well, I think they, I'm sick. They, some of them don't know how to teach zone coverage. You know, they, don't, they play so much man and so much blitz and all that. They don't work on zone coverage. And then when they try to run the game plan, it's got too many holes in it. If you got guys that can get to the quarterback, you can play zone coverage and be reasonable effective. You'll give up a bunch of five and eight, ten-yard balls, but you can eventually keep them from getting explosive plays. If you don't get explosive plays in the pros, you don't put up points. You have yeah. to have explosive plays. You cannot move the ball in that league, and that's the way the top level of college is getting. There's too many great athletes on the field on on defense. And so you'll, you'll see them give up yardage and everything. But you'll see the teams that don't panic when that happens, and they always end up keeping them off the board. Hey, real, real quick, were you at South Carolina when Jair Alexander committed to the Gamecocks? Hell, I don't remember who that is. Cornerback, he was from outside of Charlotte. He committed. He decommitted, went to Louisville after Spurrier made his comments about only coaching like two or three more years. He was in that group of seven that decommitted. The reason I bring this up, okay. he plays for I'll, the Packers. Yeah, I was he, not he, there. He pl- I, I, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, he plays for the Packers. And he's one of the best corners. He's been hurt a lot. But anyway, Sunday in Charlotte, he was not a team captain, but he went out for the coin toss with the other team captains and actually – made the call for the Packers on the coin flip. He wasn't supposed to be out there, but he went out there because he's from Charlotte. And so the Packers suspended him for a game for uh, uh, detriment, uh, you know, action detrimental to the team. 
Uh, he almost messed up their coin toss. I didn't know if you had recruited him because he was originally committed to South Carolina. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Just another thing wow. with the Packers been going on this year. Yeah, he was. He walked out with the captains. He wasn't one of the captains, and he actually called the flip. But the heads or tails. He was not told he could do it. He told he could do it. No. No. Hey, we got to go. Yeah. Well, we're almost winning. Uh, Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you around the national championship game. We'll be right back.